Welcome back, everyone, to Our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 75. It is the week of April 1st. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. Now, Leon, since it is a new month, do you have anything new to talk about? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, this is a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as an opportunity to talk about a, uh, a game related to the game I talked about last time. <laughs> Oddly enough. By that I mean I'm going to be talking about Disney's Aladdin, but this time for the Sega Genesis, as opposed Which to... you hinted at last week, you were going to maybe mention it. I was uh, definitely going to do it, and I wasn't sure that I was going to do it right away, but I thought it would be, while it was fresh in my mind, I can go ahead and, and try this version of the game and see how it fares. Did you happen to see this video? It was some of the one company that I follow on Facebook. I don't know if they make like music instruments or something. Mm-hmm. But they posted this. It's so funny. I should have sent it to you. Maybe I'll post it. Um, it's a some YouTube clip of a guy on a magic carpet dressed as Aladdin, uh-huh. like running through the streets of California. I don't like, think I saw uh, that. on this carpet. I guess the carpet has like um, I don't know if it, it's not a skateboard, but some kind of like like machine underneath like you can't even it's like very flow to the ground but mm-hmm. it's like moving like um like okay a, maybe like it's a, like one of those hoverboards or something maybe yeah but you, i don't see any wheels so i don't know how what it's made of but anyway it's just a video of him like just rolling through the the streets of california <laughs> or something and okay. like people's reactions so i meant to send it to you because it was just out of a, out of nowhere you know but i felt it was appropriate it was relevant yeah you just sure. talked about aladdin possibly i could see that yeah, well, I, I just wanted to, you know, go ahead and, and play both, uh, see how they fare. This I know this is this contest between these two games is is sort of another example of one of those um, titles that was released for both systems, and yet they're they're kind of different games. And uh, oftentimes, you know, that could be for a variety of different reasons. But in this case, I think uh, Disney had a relationship already with Sega. And, uh, you know, they had the Castle of Illusion games, they had some other Disney games that they had worked on, Lion King, things like that. And uh, I guess this was going to be one of their next titles, but um, I think they somehow, Sega was distracted at the time and didn't quite have um, the resources to dedicate to doing the game internally, so it ended up being done by Virgin Games instead. Uh, so this game came out in November of 93, uh, same as the other game for the Super Nintendo. Like I said, a great year for games, 93. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, it was published by Sega, after after all. So it was developed by Virgin, but re- published through Sega? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, again, simple plot. Aladdin is described in the opening for the game as a young street rat who must steal to survive... And Jafar is the Sultan's advisor who wants to take over the kingdom by stealing the magic lamp from the perilous Cave of Wonders. And he feels, hey, why, why go through the trouble myself when I can have Aladdin do it for me and then take it from him? So that's kind of the setup for how this game uh, progresses. And I suppose that's probably similar to what the plot was in okay. the film. Yeah. Now... I'm thinking of something, but I'm going to see if you mention it before. I, I don't want to interrupt you. I want to see. Okay. See. All right. Go ahead. Well, and then well, I might interrupt you as soon as you start off. But let's see. <laughs> okay. Well, much like the like the Super Nintendo version, uh-huh. we we start off in the marketplace of 
Agrabah. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but okay. that's the city that uh, apparently is the center of the action here. So, all right, so maybe you're not going to mention it, but I don't know. What, what, maybe I'm maybe I'm not thinking correctly. But was there a really cool Sega logo intro to the game? Um, Re- I don't or am recall. I not thinking of it? I don't like, recall like anything a, that stood out like to me. Like the genie popping out of the logo or something. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at you be? talk on YouTube and see. All right, maybe well, I'm imagining it because who knows? Well, the the first thing that caught my attention in this game was the fact that Aladdin now has a sword in this game, and that's one key difference compared to the game that I had played previously. So that's sort of uh, you know makes an impact there. And the other thing is the the health bar, as it's represented in this game, is a little peculiar, because it's this it's a picture of the the lamp in a corner, like a graphic mm. representation of the magic lamp, with some smoke curling out of it, and somehow that rather imprecise curling smoke is your health bar for the for the game, which I thought uh, is not very user friendly. <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, you'd rather like a, a segmented thing or like a number mm-hmm. a number system, maybe. Um, yeah, something more precise, something more indicative of what the actual, um, you know, health would be. I mean, you somehow have to gauge from that how much uh, how much you've got. Mm-hmm. So that's a little not much to go on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so the intro was, uh, it is a Sega logo, mm-hmm. and they have, like, is that Jafar, the genie guy? No, that's just a genie. Oh, it's a genie, Jafar okay, so villain. he's got, like, a referee shirt on, uh-huh. and he's shooting a gun up in the air, and right. uh, I guess it, uh, I don't know what happens here, but um, I thought it was humorous when I, yeah, sure. I, I used to like when they, you know, we talked about this in another episode, how they played around with the, those little logos, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the whole Simpsons couch gag right? with the Sega logo, I don't know, but yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, they definitely, they definitely personalized it for this game mm-hmm. a little bit uh based on what you just played <laughs> but i the other thing that's striking is just how fluid the animation is in this game as, as i start to move around and get com- you know comfortable with the controls and so on uh it's pretty it, it looks great i mean it looks like a cartoon basically you're you, you, the frames of animation and just the movement of everything in general looks uh really smooth compared to what I'd played previously. Not that anything was bad necessarily about the other game, but um, I'd say that's one of the key features of this one. The fact that it just looks, uh, you know, really sharp and really mm-hmm. snappy. Yeah. Especially I think when you look at the color palette and Genesis is not known for really like the kind of cartoony colors. Right. And, you know, comparing it to the Super Nintendo version, the Genesis one, I think looked more colorful to me. I don't know. It just had hmm. more of like a, I don't know if it was actually more colorful, but a more like cartoony presence to it. Mm-hmm. I think the palette overall looked a little more flat to me on the Genesis. Yeah. It looked, uh, I mean, it looked like it wasn't uh, quite as vibrant. Mm-hmm. It just right. looked, uh, the okay. colors looked a little more muted and a little bit more dull. But I think just the animation, the level of animation, it made, it made the animation pop a little more. Okay. You know, like I think the character didn't blend so much into the background. It looked like it really um, stood out compared to its surroundings. So I think that helped add some, some uh, flair to it. Uh, so one difference here, of course, is um, there's some hot coals to avoid right away and like a variety of enemies. Most of them are swordsmen of some kind, either guards or just 
random people in the marketplace. They're all hostile to Aladdin for whatever reason. <laughs> you know, it could be a guy just juggling knives and all of a sudden he's just throwing them at him. Um, you know, pots being thrown out of windows. <laughs> uh, it's you a know. big problem over there. Uh-huh. It happens all the time. Sure. Uh, there is a camel, though, that will spit out as soon as I jump on its hump. I like that. It's a nice little, little animation. Uh-huh. Uh, that helps a bit. It, he's, you're able to kill the next guard or whatever, you know. I don't know if it's actual death occurring, but... Actually, it really works. Mm-hmm. You gotta try it sometime. I, I, I bet it does. And naturally, that I think it gives me a, a little bit of an Earthworm Jim, like preview with this game because it's funny because that's what i always thought too mm-hmm. it had that zaniness it mm-hmm. had that sort of crazy quality and you know the guys that worked on this game did go on to to form shiny entertainment and they did oh, the earthworm really? jim okay. games okay. so i didn't realize yeah so there is definitely a connection i think earthworm jim was like a year later probably mm-hmm. not not too much longer after right this came yeah out. exactly uh so uh, the initial controls i had to rearrange them a little bit I actually had to... I, cu- I couldn't get used to the jump button being assigned to the C button on the Genesis controller. Hmm. And I settled on putting jump in the middle on B. This way I can switch to either sword on A or throwing an apple on C. That, that felt most comfortable to me. Other things that Aladdin can do here, he can he can cross like clotheslines. He can jump uh, onto like vertical ropes and climb up. Um, and there's several places in the game to do that. But overall, because of, I guess, the emphasis on the sword play, it feels like um, he's not quite as acrobatic as he was in the Super Nintendo game. He doesn't have that ability to, to like, somersault onto enemies and flip them over, and he can't cl- grab onto ledges and, and things like that. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. But you do also have apples in this game, uh, limited to a maximum of 99. <laughs> Uh, they do more damage if, if they seem to, you know, in this game. I mean, they, they basically, you can kill off a few enemies with, with apples, whereas in the Super Nintendo version, it just kind of stunned the enemy temporarily. You also get blue genie hearts that you can run into that restore your health. Uh, there's a black lamp that acts as like a smart bomb that takes out all the nearby enemies. And there's also uh, blue vases that appear as like a checkpoint marker as you're going through a level. I also run into this uh, mysterious-looking peddler who just appears, and he's, as soon as you run into him, he summons like this little market stall where he offers um, things to buy. And notably, he can he'll offer an extra life for uh, the cost of five gems. You you find gems as you play through the game; these little like sort of golden orbs, sort of, and. Um, you can buy an extra life for five gems, or you can buy a wish for ten, and a wish is uh, to continue in the game if you get a game over. Uh, initially, I didn't have ten. I think I only had enough to get the extra life the first time I ran into him, but I was able to buy him as I went along. And there's also genie tokens, which grants a spin on the genie's bonus machine. And this is the little mini game that occurs similar to what the super nintendo had right? so super this one nintendo had the wheel the the nintendo had the wheel mm-hmm. this one has like it's a little more bizarre it's like a big sort of genie face very excited looking his mouth is open and the bonus items are flashing in his mouth now okay so it's like a, it's almost like a little um you know one of those like uh, machines where they're showing you like images rapidly and you just have to press a button to like stop it on the one right. you want to get 
So yeah, it's I think a little, like, little um, different. You know, Mario Brothers three maybe had something like it's that. It's like that or, style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they had to consult Disney. Like, I don't remember the movie too well, so I don't know if that's a scene from the movie, <clears throat> or if they consulted with Disney, and Disney was like, well, we have to have a scene where, you know, there's some kind of, you know, bonus thing where, you know, like, well, how can it be coincidence that both games have a similar kind of concept between levels? Uh, to be honest, I don't know the story of how the Capcom game was made, yeah. and, and why there was a different version of this game. I do know that Disney sort of wanted to get more involved in the making of games. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why Disney feature animation was brought in to help with the animation in this game. Like they actually used real Disney animators to, to work on this game. And that's why the animation looks so fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wanted to get more hands on with uh, the making of some of these games, uh, but they didn't quite know how they didn't have that familiarity with what goes into making a game and what kind of play elements are required to, you know, to be introduced. So, you know, they tried to feed off of each other a little bit. So maybe this was the game maker's idea to include something like that. Sure. But mm-hmm. it's a staple to have, you know, bo- a little too. bonus right. round yeah. of some kind. Especially in that era, they had a, that was featured quite a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the kind of things you can pick up in this bonus round is like, um, you know, you can get more gems. You can get uh, some of your apples, uh, you know, refreshed. You might get an extra life. Uh, but there's also a lose condition in this where if you get uh, a grinning portrait of Jafar, the villain, um, it, he j- it just says lose and then the round ends. If you get on, if you land on that, then you're out. Even if you had like extra tokens to continue. That's uh, an instant. That's like... Um, that's a fail. That's the... What was that? Whammy show. That's the whammy. That's the whammy, good. right? Yeah, pressure uh-huh. lock. Pressure lock. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Uh, now, there's another bonus thing that can occur, and that's if you pick up an Abu token. And Abu is uh, his monkey, monkey sidekick. He throws apples. Uh, so he doesn't uh, he doesn't really appear in this game a whole lot. I mean, he's not running alongside Aladdin the way he is in the Super Nintendo game. Um, here, if you get an Abu token during one of the, the rounds, which is basically a golden sort of Abu face just kind of floating in the air... Uh, you access a booze bonus round at the end of the level. The first one is uh, you get a you know you, you you switch over to playing as a boo now during this bonus round, and he's holding a scimitar. He's holding a sword as well. And what is it called? A scimitar. Scimitar. Okay. Yeah, that's that curved style, yeah. like Arabian I'm gonna, style I'm gonna looking sword. That when I talk about my stuff later. Okay. okay I got to remember that. Okay. Sure. Uh, so it starts off and says, "Watch out, a boo!" And the goal is to dodge falling pots that are coming down and grab uh, the gems that appear as you're playing. Um, And there's also um, extra life and maybe apples to collect. I mean, there's other bonus things that appear as well. But basically, you're trying to dodge the pots. A sword swing could protect him, but usually it's like a little tricky timing to try to do it that way. You're better off just kind of avoiding the pots if possible. Um, also during the play, like some swordsmen might appear and a couple of rolling barrels come rolling through the stage. Uh, just, you know, survive long enough and, you know, he successfully completed the round. Um, now if he gets hit, there's only one chance. Um, it just says nice try and the round ends and he does this weird pose when he gets hit. He does like this weird, like body stance. You know, I don't understand. (laughs) He looks annoyed. He looks annoyed that he failed or something. I don't know. It's very, very peculiar. 
Does he have an idle animation? Um, Where he like stamps his feet because he's waiting or anything? I didn't notice. I, I didn't remember I didn't... If, that, if they added that in there. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I mean, you only get to really play him during these bonus rounds, so he's okay. not he's not available during the rest of the game. Okay, that's true. Standing to the side is generally safe. I mean, pretty much wherever those pots aren't falling, you know. But it's pretty much nonstop, so you don't really get a chance to, to linger too long. Uh, so after this marketplace uh, stage, uh, I move on to the desert, and you know, a beggar directs Aladdin to find the two halves of a scarab to get access to the Cave of Wonders. So um, I guess the desert is the first place he's going to look. Uh, although uh, during this stage, I feel like I found more than two. I feel like, you know, I mean, really it's, you find a half scarab and I guess it's possible to find more than two to make more than like just one of them. I thought that I would be only looking for the two halves and put them together. Once I have that, I'm mm-hmm. I'm done. But I think there's more than that around if I, if I remember right. And things that are dangerous here are, um, these snakes that, are kind of just lurking around. They're wearing a fez. And the, the snake here kind of reminds me of the snake from Robin Hood. I don't know if you ever remember the Robin Hood uh, Disney I, animated movie. I've never actually seen it, no. Uh, there was like a very prominent snake character in that. It kind of uh-huh. looked like this style. So I wonder if that was just sort of like a, a wink to include that. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm not sure. If, hmm. I don't remember a Robin Hood game on mm-hmm. the 16-bit consoles, but maybe there was. It's an older, it's an older movie. I mean, it's from... Didn't they bring it back? I think it's from the 60s, or? probably. I'm thinking of Peter Pan, probably. Oh, uh, maybe. I think that was a Sony, maybe, game. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, also these bones that stick up out of the sand, and there's, like, more, you know, just random guards with swords and, and things like that. Um, another example of the spitting camel also shows up here. But there's some also nice some nice Easter eggs in in the scenery. For example, there's like mouse ears, Mickey Mouse ears that I see hanging on a clothesline in the background. There's a very modern looking stop sign. That's a, that's a good find that you I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah, just, Mickey Mouse ears. Just little things like yeah. that. Um, so there's like a stop sign that tells you like don't step into this area. I mean, you could go past it if you wanted to, but it's just there as like a warning sign. Mm -hmm. And that's another typical thing of, I found like of just Disney movies in general, like there's a lot of anachronistic elements like that, where they include modern references to things, even though they're supposed to be some time in the past. Right. I also see like an outhouse tent, like in the background where it's like, there's a symbol for boys, there's a symbol for girls. And then there's a third one that has like the genie on it. So I guess the genie gets its own, its own tent. Who knows what the genie does in there? <laughs> right. I'm not sure I want to know. Uh-huh. And when I get to the end of this stage, uh, Abu is just pouncing on a guard. There's like a guard on the ground and he's just like jumping on his belly. And you don't interact with that at all. You just kind of walk past it. And that's kind of the end of that stage. So the next area leads on, leads back to the city. It's uh, called the uh, Agraba Rooftops. So this level... You know, they kind of introduce, like, new elements. This one tells me to find the flutes. So there's a snake charmer at one point who is only dangerous when, like, the snake comes out. Like, generally I can run past them, but then when the snake pokes its head out, he might try to bite me. Uh, But this uncovers one of the special items, uh, the snake charmer's flute. And what that does is it's like a little basket with a magic rope, like, waving out of it. And that'll, if Aladdin grabs that, he'll be lifted up to, like, a higher spot in the level. 
Um, and also I can use like flagpoles as springboards to do high jumps as well. So that's, you know, a little more mobility in this, in this stage. There's a mini boss fight in the middle, um, with a character called Gazim. I, I, I don't know who this is, but how'd you know this is the character's name? Does it show it? Uh, it's, it's in the manual. Okay. It, like it, the manual, manual describes each stage and it tells you what, mm-hmm. what kind of things you end up fighting. He's one of Jafar's henchmen. It reminds me of that weird speech that John Travolta made at the Oscars, like a few years ago. Like he introduced like some singer and he like completely botched her name. She's, she does like, she, I think it was, um, Dina Menzel. She's, she does like songs for like, uh, various Disney movies. She did like the song from frozen or something like that. And he like introduced her as like a Del Dazim or something like that. And it just reminded me of that name. (laughs) That was weird. Uh, but anyway, the fight is pretty simple. He just rolls back and forth. He just throws a few daggers, but I just smacked him with these apples and, and I was done. I didn't even really have to fight him too much. And that's another cool thing about this game. Like the fact that you have the apples and they can do damage. So you have the sword or you have the apples and it's a good combination of just both like ranged weapons as well as melee. You have the the option for either one. Um, so if you have enough apples, you can use them pretty effectively. That was just kind of the mid-boss stage, and at the end is like another fight with, um, this time with Razul. He's the captain of the guards. <laughs> and uh, he's slightly off screen. He's throwing these barrels and these daggers. Uh, all I have to do is just, you know, time the apple toss at him in between his throws. Like, he'll throw something out, just hit him. Do they have a boss meter on top? Or? Uh, I didn't notice any kind of health yeah. meter. I just You just have to do it enough until mm-hmm. he's he's, you know defeated another abu token is gathered and it's the same bonus round as before so there was no really no difference in terms of you know doing that part of the game the next you you get some more story information after this and basically the guards haul adding off to a dungeon because i don't know i guess they they caught him or something and jasmine tries to to get him out of it you know, the princess tries to intervene on his behalf and they tell her, like, too bad. Gonna have to go take it up with the sultan or something if you want to get him out. The first thing I notice in this stage is a very cool foreground effect. There's, like, a lot of, like, chain links and, like, poles in the foreground and, you know, adds a lot of depth to this area. I mean, this level seemed like it really wanted to be in 3D. Uh, There's spikes sticking out of the walls. There's still side-scrolling. Yeah, sure, Mm -hmm. definitely, but um, a lot of depth created mm-hmm. through this, you know, kind of effect. There's even like a ball and chain swing uh, in and out and towards the screen. screen. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's on the one hand, it's a visual, it's visually impressive, but because of like that effect, it, it leads to a lot of cheap hits in this level, especially because, you know, like first a lot of stuff is obstructed because of that. But then at the same time, uh, the camera feels very slow in this level and like I'll move forward and I'll be near the edge of the screen and there might be something just off the screen ready to hit me as that camera eventually kind of moves over and I find myself like too close to something. So I almost have to inch forward just to kind of move the camera ahead. It feels like it lags a little bit behind the action. So this level was like a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of, um, in terms of that play wise, it was like a little cheap, I think. But enemies include the usual guards show up here, uh, as well as bats, and also these skeletons that 
blow themselves up with bombs. Like the skeleton will pull a bomb out, and you see the bomb like suicide burning down. skeleton. It's suicide skeleton, basically. Brilliant, brilliant scheme. Uh huh. And when the bomb blows up, his bones go flying everywhere, and the bones, of course, will damage you. Uh, but doesn't he reform himself? Uh, no. Okay. That's it. It's just one shot. But it is possible to kill him before he blows up. So if I hit him with apples or something, or just smash him with the sword, that'll prevent the bomb from going off. I always wondered, do you know, like, in Castlevania, there was always those skeletons that would, you would knock them and they'd, like, just fall to the ground and then reassemble? Right, yeah. Why don't you just, like, pick up one of their bones? So when they try to reassemble, like, the leg bone won't be there and they just it's, collapse. It's just missing, it. right? Yeah. It's missing a simple pieces. fix to that just problem. Just kick the, the pile of bones out. <laughs> I know. You'd think that would work. Yeah. I wish it would. I guess in this case, it didn't apply, so... Yeah, it's not a problem here. But now, you know, after that whole area, I move on to the Cave of Wonders, and it becomes more apparent that Aladdin is being used here that, you know, to retrieve the lamp, because you get that in a little little cutscene action. And in this stage, I'm instructed to hit statues. So naturally, there are statues to destroy, there's a lot of annoying swarms of bats that form in in, the, in this cave. There's these funny-looking ghosts. They have, like, little turbans on, and all they are, they, they have these angry-looking eyes. But they look to be made of just, like, smoke or something. They're definitely not genies. They're ghosts. Sure. They might be genies, but they look sort of ghostish, sort of. yeah. A little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. Um, there's also, like, fish that jump out of the water that will spit water out at me. There's also these statues that that look harmless, um, like I can pass them, but then as soon as I do, they start to move to attack me. Um, I think they're called Shiva statues in the manual. So they're like, you know, they've got the six arms and they're Mm. not moving generally, but then they'll, they'll come to life as soon as I'm not like directly facing them. There's also like a section with these bouncing rocks to get the Abu token. It's uh, pretty high up. Um, and there's also many areas with spikes to avoid, I also noticed that Aladdin can cling to the ceiling in a lot of these areas. So if you can spring up and grab hold of the ceiling, you can I can like kind of climb across several obstacles that way. There's a mini boss fight with a statue that kind of teleports. He sort of either fly. He, he seems to fly between these two uh, pedestals, and then he kind of turns invisible as he lands on each one. It's a little confusing. He's also like swinging a sword. He's got he's holding a sword with his feet as he's flying. Very weird-looking boss. He's also, like, shooting fireballs out. So it's uh, a bit of a weird fight. But again, it comes it just comes down to having good timing and getting those shots in. Uh, upon defeating that one, a magic carpet appears to take me to the next section. I have to get across this lake that has these sinking platforms. As you hop onto them, the, the platforms start to, you know, sink into the water. And I get to this big hill, and it's uh, got these sort of falling rocks tumbling down again. But I noticed there's a secret passage that I can go into the hill, and it has like a ton of power-ups inside too, a lot of uh, special items to pick up. And that's actually a much safer route to get to the top, because I avoid the falling rocks by going that way. And I come out on the other side of the hill, and then I can just go up to the top. And of course, at the top is the big, the magic lamp that I'm here to retrieve. So it is a secret area, for sure, or? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean... So you have two ways to go. But... You can either go uh, up the left side, mm-hmm. where all the rocks are tumbling down. But if um, if you notice that there's this passageway, you can go in through that way and pick up a bunch of, you know, extra items. And then uh, it's completely clear on the other side. So that's the best way to approach that one. 
so because of the Abu token, there's uh, a new Abu bonus round um, referred to as Abu in the Cave. And uh, this bonus round features Abu dodging, you know, falling rocks and bats and rolling boulders, generally the things that were found in the Cave of Wonders. Uh, it's a bit simpler than the one previously. It's not quite as um, involved. I found it was a little easier. But it turns out that we're not quite out of the cave yet. There's a cutscene that says something about uh, touching a forbidden treasure while I was in the cave. So the cave is upset. <laughs> and um, the environment now has turned all volcanic. It's very angry looking. Because you touched the treasure? I guess so. I know, that must be it. Right away, it's a little more difficult. There's boulders to outrun. There's lava pools to hop across. It even ends with like this. You just, I just end up jumping into a chasm, and uh, the magic carpet swoops in right at the right time to just end the stage. Uh, but now I'm on the carpet, and it leads to the next area called the rug ride. You know, I'm still on the carpet, and um, the gene, there's basically it's a forced scrolling stage, flying along on the carpet, and as I'm flying along, there's like little flashing genie hands that appear to tell me to fly either high or low. Um, to avoid, you know, smashing against the rocks, basically. There's, like, ro- rock obstacles, and there's things I can pick up along the way. There's a trail of, like, uh, these apple slices. They look like tacos to me while I was playing it, but it turns out they're actually slices of apples. Tacos in India, right? Uh, well, it's not India, I guess. Oh, okay. Or wherever it is. I don't know. Somewhere in the, in, uh, in the Mideast, okay. I guess. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, it's like I just basically four of them add up to restoring an apple. Um, but mostly they're a distraction to get me to forget which way I'm supposed to fly because they'll, they, of course, they will lead you to crashing into a rock if you follow them too closely. Um, so I kind of try to ignore them, try not to pay attention and just focus on whether I had to go high or low. Of course, it gets faster as I go along and I have less and less reaction time to you know, decide which way I should be. And sometimes there's both an up and a down. And, you know, sometimes like one path will have something like an item to pick up versus, you know, the other one that's just empty. But you won't know until after you make the decision. Right. Okay. And sometimes I get a question mark. And so I just kind of flew blind on those. This round is very annoying overall. Ended up uh, hitting a rock many times and... If you do get hit, you have to start over from the beginning. You have to do this round 100% perfectly to get through No checkpoints? There's no checkpoints. There's no, uh, you know, credits or lives or anything. I mean, it's just basically start from scratch every time. Even after getting through this one, it seems Aladdin didn't quite make it out of the cave. And uh, instead, the genie will pull him into the lamp. So this is the stage where, again, I'm inside the lamp now. And uh, it's very trippy here. It's not quite as trippy as the Super Nintendo version I found. This one's a lot... This one just has a plain black background. It's not quite as colorful. No tongue in the shape of stairs? Um, not until the end. Oh, okay. That's actually the very end of the, mm. of the stage. Uh, but in this one, uh, there's these blue tubes, which I interpret as, like, maybe the genie's arms. Because, basically, if I stand on the blue area, I start to sink through it. And... There's only the only thing that I can stand on that's solid are these like what look like golden like wristbands. So there's just like a, a 
a golden patch on one of the blue tubes. And it, I, I assume that's just a wristband. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, there's also a lot of items stuffed behind those tubes. So I end up trying to explore as much of it as possible. There's a lot of opportunities to just fall to your doom in this one. If you fall below the bottom of the level of the screen, it, you, been, you end up like losing a life and having to start over. Um, but there are checkpoints throughout this one. There's also uh, very large pillows that act as platforms to stand on. Some of them are just the genie's hands that I can stand on, and some of them are rotating or moving in some way. Uh, some of them are like springboards that are shaped like the genie's head <laughs> that I can bounce off of. There's one really annoying part where there's just these these balloons, these row of floating balloons coming by, and I have to hop from rope to rope to get across this area to get to the end. Oh, the ropes from the balloons. Yeah, so like okay. there's like strings hanging from the bottom uh-huh. of the balloons, but the balloons are moving in the against me in, in my direction. So I have to move across them fast enough to get across to the other side. Um, that was kind of challenging, but there's an even more annoying part where there's like a set of hands that will like flick me. So like if I bounce on them, it'll flick me over to the next one. I have to somehow time it so that I land on the hands that are on the other side of them. But the thing is, those hands kind of fade into the background and they can't, I can't like land on them when they're in the background. I can only land on them when they're in the foreground. So a lot of tricky timing on this one. I did finally find the, the tongue stairs to get out of the stage. Uh, this ends up leading to the Sultan's palace. And, uh, this is basically when the genie helps Aladdin, uh, get back to the city. I end up, uh, showing up in like a pool where there's like flamingos to, to hop over. And curiously in this stage, I have to move, uh, from right to left. So it's a little bit different from most of the game. Obviously there's guards in the way. There's more spitting fish because I'm in a pond of some kind. And as I move further into the palace, there's like several carpet rides that will carry me over to new sections um, while picking up items. Occasionally, I'll hop onto this carpet and it's it starts swinging wildly across the screen. It moves very rapidly. So it just looked pretty cool. Still dangerous, though. Still have to watch out for enemies. Make sure I, you know, kill anything that I run into. I do see um, a boo in a cage at one point. Uh, I, I set him free and he just runs away. Not even a thank you. I thought he would well, be more appreciative of setting him free somehow. He's a mindless monkey. That's right. It's probably why he got caught. <laughs> uh, there's a chamber at the end. Uh, it's got one of the other characters in the movie uh, named Iago. He's a, a parrot and he's, uh, just running on this pile of gears in the center. It turns out this is a storm machine of some kind. And, more of those turban-headed ghosts show up. There's also a lot of barrels rolling in. Uh, I just have to keep throwing apples at the parrot until he uh, kind of gives up. Um, end up knocking him into the gears as I hit him. So he kind of like spins around into the gears of the machine, uh, but then gets back in place until you know you hit him enough times to, to kill him off. Uh, of course, this is not... The end of it, because somehow Iago manages to steal the lamp and take it to Jafar. So the final stage is Jafar's palace. Very weird sense of decor here, because he's got more of those Shiva statues that come alive from 
I've seen in the cave previously. The same ones that you walk by and then they... Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also waves of flame, like, rolling along the floors. That's how you know you're in bad territory. Yeah, right? You see walls of flames. That's usually not a good sign. When it sounds like the difficulty's ramping up now. It, it definitely is because, you know, we're nearing the end of the, of, uh, the challenge. Uh, luckily, there are these pedestals that I can jump up onto to avoid the flames in most cases. Um, of course there are guards here that are not affected by any of this. So, um, I still have to deal with them as well. There's, uh, one like sort of maze like area. It's not quite a maze, but there's just like an endless like corridors of, of those swinging ball and chains and spikes to get through. Um, finally, after getting like more guards and, and so on, uh, I get on another carpet and it drops me right at Jafar's like, uh, chamber. Um, without much fanfare. And I guess this was pretty much the hardest part of the game because he's attacking me with like this staff that kind of pulls me towards him. It's almost like it has like a vacuum effect, but he's like spraying these stars out at me and that kind of pulls me in towards him. And of course, if I come come into contact with me, that does damage. I mean, with him, if, if, you know, if, if I get too close to him. Um, but I keep hitting him with the apples and, you know, Hitting him with the sword doesn't really seem to do anything. And then eventually he turns into his cobra form as well in this game. Now there's waves of flame on the floor again, and there's pedestals here as well. But this time if I stand on the pedestals, the flames will engulf me right away on that. So that's not a tactic I can use here. Uh, Overall, this final fight was pretty dull, because all I did was stand between these two pedestals and just keep throwing an apple at him. Like, the waves of flames would come towards me, and I would just jump up over each one. You had an ample supply? I had enough, yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities to reload in this game. I mean, basically, whenever you need apples, there's always, um, you know, like, refills appearing. Even if you, even if I go off screen and I reappear on another part, like, it'll, I'll see, like, apples just floating there where there weren't any before. Because uh, I was already at the 99 max, you know. The the fight goes on like that until, like, you know, I kill him. But it's a very sudden sort of ending. I mean, he's practically off screen because of um, the camera. Like, the camera was, like, shifted on me. But he's, like, off to the left. So I'm just, like, throwing apples. And I know him, I'm hitting him because I can, I can hear him taking the hits. But eventually he just goes down. And it cuts away immediately to, like, Aladdin and Jasmine just riding on a magic carpet. And the credits run. Hmm. So it was a very kind of uh, anticlimactic yeah. sort of ending. Like, there was really no... It's like they rushed the end of the game a little bit. It feels like it, especially compared to the... You know, like, at the end of the Super Nintendo game, you got a long cutscene explaining what happened. And, you know, it expounded on the ending a lot more. Maybe you didn't get the true ending. I don't know. I don't know if there... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there was an alternate sort of ending that I could have had here. Uh, but it goes right to, you know, the credits right after that. So, as I mentioned, uh, some of the people that worked on this, you know, did go on to form Shiny, including David Perry. David Perry is the, was the, he was the, um, in charge of programming, project management, and the animation engine for this game. So, yeah, in, in October of 93, he founded Shiny Entertainment, and they did go on to do games like Earthworm Jim and and other weird games like uh, MDK and Messiah and <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I met him at the CES. Mm-hmm. In, I think ninety four. Uh huh. 
And what were your impressions of, of that? Do you, do you have um, any recollection of that? He was kind of busy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think he had the time to speak to me, but right. I can't say anything bad. He, seemed like... he seems very large. He seems very tall. He was tall. Yes. <laughs> um, he's also the founder of Gaikai, which was acquired by Sony right. and is used as the basis for PlayStation Now. So it's, you know, his company basically got acquired by Sony and they're doing the streaming tech for uh, for that, I guess. That's still an ongoing thing. He's still associated with that, yeah. I think. Other notable things, I guess the sound and the music in this game was done by Tommy Tallarico, who also did stuff like Cool Spot and also Earthworm Jim and many other shiny games and Virgin games. games. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Don Griffin contributed to this. He did uh, Jungle Book on Genesis and okay. Super Nintendo. Yeah. Respectable mm-hmm. title. Not my favorite, but okay. Yeah. Um... So yeah, overall, um, this game is pretty common from what I saw on eBay. Um, cart is available for as low as 99 cents to up to $5 loose. Um, even complete, I saw a copy sell for $1.99. Wow, and, that's cheap. Um, and I think it looks like, you know, pretty much like $7 and up. It seems like pretty typical to get a complete copy. Mm. So super common, super easy to get. If you ever want to play this on original what hardware. What do you think is more expensive? The VHS copy of Aladdin? Or <laughs> the Sega Genesis? Both in the, both in clamshell cases. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I know there's diehard collectors out there that love having them. I don't know what's happened to the VHS collectors ever since DVD came along. But I'm assuming some people still want a copy. Uh, hard to say. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> So there are a, a bunch of alternate versions of this game, though. Very similar type of game can be found on the PC, uh, which our friend uh, Raul Angel pointed out. He played the PC version of this game. It's also available on the Amiga, on the Game Boy, and there's even a version for the Game Boy Color, which was released later. But that one was actually done by Ubisoft, even though it's based on this game. So, um, okay, so it's a port of this game. Uh huh. Okay, interesting. Sure. Uh, there are versions for the Game Gear and the Sega Master System as well, but they seem somewhat different compared to this game. Didn't quite have the same type of elements. There's even an NES version of this game, which oddly enough was also published by Virgin. Wow. But it follows the design of the Super Nintendo game by Capcom. That is weird. <laughs> So if you ever, if you ever play the NES version, actually I haven't played that one. I should I should check it out. You'll see that it compares more closely to hmm. the Capcom version of the game. Now it's funny though because there's always this ongoing debate about which one's the better game. You know, there's which, no debate. There's, <laughs> the Genesis one is better. There's definitely a debate. <laughs> Come on, who's debating? <clears throat> well, believe it or not, 2016. I think this debate is done. There is. There was a Polygon article. Okay. Um, that came out in 2014 uh, that I noticed where uh, Shinji Mikami, the producer of the Super Nintendo version of the game, you know, worked at Capcom. He actually said he preferred the Sega Genesis version of this game. <laughs> uh, he says animation-wise... It was the royalty checks. Right, right? Sure. He says, if I didn't make the Super Nintendo game, I would probably buy the Genesis one. He says, animation-wise, I think the Genesis version is better. And the Genesis version had a sword, actually. I wanted to have the sword. <laughs> now, this could just be professional courtesy on his part. Sure. Just saying that, the, of course, the competition is better. You know, like just maybe he's just being nice. Mm-hmm. But he added some other uh, interesting 
insight on on the production of the game. He says, for example, he says originally the the Super Famicom box had the genie on it, but but Disney said no, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to um, move the genie to the back of the packaging. He says. The, the American version did have the genie on the front cover, but for some reason on the Super Famicom version, they they decided to downplay it. Mm. They said because at the time, and this was, relates to something that you pointed out last time, you asked if there was any voice samples in the Super Nintendo game, um, especially with Robin Williams having done the voice of the genie. And he says that um, at the time, Robin Williams had a dispute with Disney because after the film's release, he says he was not happy with the way that Disney was using the genie character to promote the movie. And so he was like just at odds with Disney at that time. Maybe that had something to do yeah, with the fact that yeah. they didn't use any voice samples of him. Probably. I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you deal with Hollywood talent, it can be kind of tricky mm-hmm. working out deals. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, in the end, though, I would I would probably you know chalk up the differences between the two games as just saying that like the Super Nintendo game felt like more of a pure platformer because you didn't have a weapon really. It just felt like you had more. It was more emphasis on just the platforming aspects. I think just being able to jump on enemies and being able to hang off of ledges and things like that it just gave it more of like a platformer feel. This one felt because it had more combat built into the style, I think it changed the, the feeling of the game a bit. I'd say overall, the music in the Super Nintendo version is a little more pleasant in general, but I mean, both both games wanted to basically use tunes from the movie, I think. So overall, I'd say the Super Nintendo version kind of was probably closer. Uh, I didn't I didn't really care for the music in general <laughs> of either version. Not your style? Um, yeah, yeah, not particularly. None of them really struck a chord with me. <laughs> um, you know, didn't didn't resonate with me okay. in any way. It says a lot form. for someone who does like Sega Genesis sounds. I do. I generally prefer it in most cases, okay. but um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think it worked in this case. But definitely, because of the fluid animation, I think this game looks a little more authentic in terms of capturing that Disney style. I think the Capcom game, it just feels, you know, more like a, a, a typical platformer like a typical super nintendo style game that's how i felt i felt like as a i think it was a solid game i just feel like when you play the genesis one it feels like you're playing the cartoon more than the super nintendo version mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what i, I kind of came away with that impression i mean i feel like the co- the color palette of the super nintendo game especially made it look very colorful you know again those those, those sort of muted colors didn't quite give you that sort of I don't know, I guess that that animated feel to it, but just the fact that, you know, it was offset just by the quality of the animation of the characters. It looked, I mean, not just Aladdin, but all the all the enemy characters too. Super, super animation in there. Really uh, top quality. I'd say if you have a choice, um, I would probably in the end still recommend the Genesis version, but I'd say they're both worth playing, you know, you know just to get that alternate feel. Well, the Genesis one is a cheap game too, so why not buy both? They're they're both cheap, right? yeah, for sure. You could get get either one, mm-hmm. or both. So you're not choosing sides. I can't believe it. Um, oh, I, I'm going to force you to choose a side. It's you know what it is. I feel like I feel like uh, the the side that I'm choosing is to say that they're both worth playing because people push the idea that the Genesis version is 
by far the the preferable game, and I say they both have something to offer. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw a question out at you then. All right, go for it. Battle of the Monkeys here. Uh-huh. Abu from <laughs> Aladdin versus Bubbles, uh-huh. Michael Jackson's chimpanzee. Both I, Sega Genesis characters. Is that so? Yeah, who would win? See, now I never played Moonwalker, so I wouldn't know. Man, see, you've always got an answer to get out of a question. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get an answer out of you. Is Bubbles an active character in the game? I don't think you play as him, but he is a character that does require... Yeah, he does do a lot of pointing in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I remember I remember the... the he, he is a, an important character. I remember him being referenced. It's not something you ever control him. <sighs> I don't know. I can't promise that I'll ever play that game. But. Well, all right, so what if we throw Toki Ape Spit in there? <laughs> He's more of like an ape, though, but... No You're comment. Not familiar with that one either. Okay. No comment. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, maybe you've got something better to talk about. <laughs> I wish I did. It only goes downhill from here. I'm going to throw it over to you. And see what well, you've got to offer this week. Uh, this was a tough week for me. <laughs> going through a lot of things. Uh, so you know, I have this old computer from 2009. Sure. Still kind of does the job. You know, I edit the podcast and. Can, and video and stuff, but I have this ongoing, yeah. Well, this this old computer is like a a 27-inch iMac, which is a pretty nice computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a Core i5. It's not, I guess. It's not um, a terrible computer. It's not terrible, but, mm-hmm. you know, I always feel like in, maybe because uh, in the old days, like, I feel like every two years you upgrade your computer, at least, like, in my group. Like, I always felt like I always needed to be on top of technology. Yeah. So, I, to me, to say, oh, I have a six-year-old com- computer sounds like... right. Right. You know, ugh, does this thing even turn on, like, sort of thing. But I guess in, like, t- today's technology, like, other than graphics cards, computers don't really... They age a lot slower than they used to. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, uh, I've been running into... It's going on for about, like, two or three years, maybe, uh-huh. where my computer would just, like, freeze up a lot. Right. And, you know, I tried finding hints, you know, tips online, like, trying to get some Apple support and stuff. Can't figure it out. Uh, so many issues, so I don't want to, like, go through too much detail about it, but I just, fi- I figured it out finally, so it was a big, a big happy, you know, in, in one way it was happy, I fixed it, in another way, in, in fixing that issue, it was mostly software related, uh, it turns out that I discovered I have a bad stick of RAM in my computer mm. that uh, is covered under warranty, you know, for RAM gives you, like, lifetime warranty, so mm-hmm. um, I have to get that replaced. And uh, while I was pulling out on one of the sticks of RAM, I, I accidentally broke it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how how you break a stick of RAM is probably a question for another time, because I'm not even sure I know how to do it. I did it. But let's just say that, yes, you can physically break a stick of RAM. And I thought it was like a static <laughs> piece of equipment, like just... No moving parts, nothing that good uh, to go wrong. I always thought it was, mm-hmm. but uh, there are little things on these <laughs> circuits yeah, that yeah. do break off, and I managed to accomplish that. It's really surprised me. You told me that. Yes. So uh, a little bit of ups and downs this week, with my computer. But I spent a good portion of my week dealing with issues like that. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on a side note, also related to that, I have some old laptops lying around. And uh, I needed the RAM from those to replace my bad RAM. So they've been sitting in, you know, in the shed for like a year. 
Mm-hmm. So I powered it up, and it's just been like so many problems with it. It's, it was running, you know, Windows 8. So I figured, well, you know, let's freshen it up and put Windows 10 on there. Total disaster. <laughs> Things didn't work. Profiles were like deleted. All these types of like incompatibility issues, like mm-hmm. failure to downloads. I mean, I probably spent uh, probably like a good 12 hours at least just trying to get Windows 10 on there installed. And, and it still didn't work. I still have to go back to it and fix it. I got to see what these laptops are like. I don't know what's going on. I didn't have anywhere near this Huge, kind of problem. No, I mean, I, I had, uh, I did another computer mm-hmm. and it went smooth and I did two other computers, Windows 10, no problem. Sure. This, this one is just, I don't know. Hmm. big mess. And then on top of it, the battery died just for being not in use for a year. Mm-hmm. It just won't take a charge now. So that's kind of a bummer because I didn't know, like if you put a laptop battery in storage that if you don't use it within a year, it's just going to die. I don't know what the recommendation is. That thing? is. Like, like, I don't know. I'm it's a, a, s- a Lenovo laptop. I don't think it's, it's probably low end, but I don't think it's like, you know, an Acer, you know, bottom bargain basement thing <laughs> i'm assuming it's a lithium-ion battery the same as yeah, that yeah. would be in any other type of I, laptop I imagine so i don't really know what the guidelines are if you're gonna keep it in storage for a long time if you're supposed to maybe like charge it up all the way first and then put it Possibly. away or yeah, maybe, maybe or maybe it's the opposite maybe you got to make sure you drain it completely and then put it away i don't i don't, I don't know. know i don't know the rules so mm-hmm. so now like i have a laptop that needs some work and i mm-hmm. really don't care because I just got my iMac working, so yeah. that's the important part. Well, that's, your, that's your priority. Yes. So we can continue doing the podcast. You know, I wasn't <laughs> sure if this was going to go. Actually, I was. I honestly wasn't sure if we were going to be able to do another one next week. Mm-hmm. Because of, uh, <clears throat> besides the freezing thing, just because I broke the RAM and I didn't know if I had spare RAM around. Right. So I, luckily I did. <laughs> yeah, it's odd because your the iMac will take SO DIMMs, which is what laptops typically use. Right, that's true. <clears throat> and older styles. Um it's yeah it's not like i don't think it takes like the super fast modern ram maybe or are they all kind of the same well it's just not i mean it's a different form factor it's a more compact memory module than the kind that would go on a desktop computer yeah so that was that was at least a good opportunity to Uh to be able to salvage some parts from from the laptops which weren't getting used otherwise anyway so you might as well put it in uh, the mac temporarily yeah it's cool that that worked Mm mm-hmm so aside from that, uh, I did get a message from our friend Frankie from the Digital Press Podcast, and mm-hmm. he was recommending me a game for iOS called Chrome Death, mm-hmm. and this one just came out last week. It's from Newmark Software, and I don't know if it's on Android, so you might have to do research if you want to try it. It is a free game mm-hmm. if you want to give it a try, so... This one is... Uh, the one thing that stands about it, I'll say the good things first... It is a nice, like, synthwave soundtrack. So if you like that style of music, it's got a good feel to it. That's always a plus. And the visual style is cool, too. It looks good. It has that... Do you remember the first GTA game? That overhead... You know, it's got that pixel graphics. Sure. So it's got that look to it. It almost looks a little bit like Hotline Miami. Like that sort of, like, color, sort of use of color and Mm -hmm. pixels and stuff. But the differences with this, and this is where it kind of, I'm not sure if I'm into this game too much, is it's an auto runner where your car starts off, you're in this car on, in, in like a grid, you know, you're in a, in streets, and you'll approach a crosswalk and you have to decide 
whether to move left or right. Mm-hmm. There's usually an obstacle in front of the crosswalk, and then you have to either turn, make the left or the right, and then the difference is, like, there could be an obstacle on the left, which means you have to make a right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole premise of the game. So you make the right, the screen sort of rotates to now, you know, to adjust for the, the turn, and then you approach another crosswalk, and do you turn left or right? And that's kind of the whole game. It's just a quick tap. And how you time your tap at the crosswalk, depending on your score, it'll say, like, good, or you missed, or perfect. So it's a little bit of timing, and that's how so it, it judges you on score. Okay. And if you miss altogether, and you go through the crosswalk, then you crash into the barrier in front of you. So it sounds really, it kind of is a little basic, and that's kind of the whole game. But it moves at a very fast pace. So you're, you start off kind of slow, and then it, as soon as you get to the crosswalk, it like kind of goes into slow motion. Mm-hmm. But you really don't have much reaction time. You have to kind of do it quick, and then the slow motion continues as the screen rotates. And then the car zooms up again into the next corner. I don't know. I really am not too much into it. I don't like... Like, I, it looks good, and it sounds good, and I tried it a few times, and in the beginning, I just kept crashing instantly, because my reaction was too slow. Mm-hmm. But after you get kind of in a groove a little bit, you start to feel it out, but I'm not so sure. Uh, this is... It doesn't feel like there's enough meat to this game to mm-hmm. make me want to keep playing it. Too much... Um, I mean, does the music help at all? Does it kind of it's, work into the gameplay in some way? No, not really. No, mm-hmm. it's just sort of background. Okay. It's uh, it's done by the artist VHS Glitch. I don't know if that yeah. is anyone that is familiar to anybody, but maybe uh-huh. some chiptune artist. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I mean, you can try it out. It, it's. Um, it has like a daily challenge you can do every day. I guess it gives you a goal. Mm-hmm. You can try to beat it. There's also... Uh, so it's free games, and this is sort of where it gets a little complicated. It's free, but you get like 10 tries, and if you just die 10 times in a row, then you have to wait till the timer resets to play again. Mm-hmm. But if you beat, like, uh, you have like certain checkpoint scores you can beat, like say you have to do like 9 perfect score, not 9 perfect, but 9 um, turns without crashing they'll give you, like, extra credits to play. So you'll get, like, five extra chances or so on. Mm-hmm. So if you can go, like, 30 turns, then you'll have, you know, maybe 15 chances to play again. And that's how it sort of works. Hmm. They give you two modes. There's normal mode, which is a little bit slower. And then they have a death mode, which is, like, super fast. And you have, like, like a millisecond reaction time to really decide to move left or right. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's... Maybe that's the mode that you need to really get some challenge. It's one out of those <laughs> like a, it's one of those like a Flappy Bird or Super Hexagon uh-huh. where right. you're gonna play and die instantly, and then mm. you're gonna play again, and die instantly, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's got leaderboards if you want to compare to your friends, and okay, there's like achievements you can get. This like oh, you can upgrade your not upgrade your car, but there's a whole different bunch of cars you can choose from. You can buy, I think you can buy new cars too, mm-hmm. but um, generally. You got, I think if you earn, like, coins in the game by like, getting higher scores, you can kind of buy new cars. So, I, I guess it's worth checking out if you want to just, you know... Well, I, I just but, I, I just downloaded it as we were sitting here. <laughs> yeah. I, I Usually, I don't Rebecca recommend games that I don't like too much, but I feel like maybe it's just me, and maybe it's not as bad as... Mm-hmm. I don't think it's horrible. I just don't think it's fun. Right. <laughs> it's right. a little boring. Okay. Well, I'll see what it's about. But, yeah, maybe some people... I'm also not, like, into car games too much, but... Mm-hmm. I think the the look of it and the music's kind of okay. Nice. Yeah. So aside from that, I'm also continuing my Diablo 3 quest. Oh, yeah. How's that going? 
so-so. I gotta say so-so. It's So I made some new discoveries this week. Uh, one thing I discovered in the game is equipment that you wear has a lifespan. Mm-hmm. And that means, so you're in a fight and, and they don't really tell you this, but your equipment can break. You mm-hmm. could lose your equipment at some point during a fight. I haven't experienced this yet, but what you'll do is like, and I go to the shops a lot. Usually like every mission, um, after every quest, I'll go to, to the merchant, the merchant and sell all my stuff. Right. So when you go there, there's an option for repairing all. And when you go to that option, you'll see like a whole list of things in your inventory mm-hmm. that have, are damaged, battle damaged. And it could be items that you have equipped or items that you don't have equipped. Oh, really? So apparently these get damaged in a fight. And wow. the weird thing is they don't tell you like the percentage of damage it is. Uh-huh. The only time I noticed it is I died once so far in the game. <laughs> I finally died. <laughs> and when I came back to life, it said, you lose like 10% durability on, on your equipment or something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. So yeah. So when you go to the merchant, um, and this happens if you don't die either, just continually your, your, your de- weapons are degrading. And it doesn't cost much to repair. It's usually like 100 coins or something. That repairs everything. Mm -hmm. But it's a weird side. It's a part of the game that I don't understand why they included without giving you more detail. Like, I can see if it had like a health meter on the item or something. Or if it tells you like, oh, this weapon is broken, you know, or something like that. But it doesn't give you any indication. Hmm. Uh, I never, like I said, I haven't experienced a weapon actually, an item breaking yet. But they are damaged. And I don't know... If damaged weapons don't are, are not as effective as they should be, or like I don't know, it's just another part of this game that I don't understand what's going on. I'm really surprised that items that you're simply carrying are taking damage as well without, yeah. without being well, equipped. That's how it looked in my list. It tells I, you like equipped, equipped, and there's a whole bunch that are not equipped, and it says like I need to repair those too. I, I mean, I guess that makes some sense because if you're carrying these items and then you're getting like blasted with flames or whatever you know yeah. then, then i suppose it makes sense that they're taking some damage too but i i don't know usually it's it, usually it's the items you're actually using, equipped with right? and, and using yeah. in combat and you know or a- armor that's actively protecting mm-hmm. you like things a shield like that. or something yeah right. i would think it would apply to those things mm-hmm. but um okay i guess they're trying to inject so that's another I'll, thing i guess it's just a layer of realism maybe that they're trying to add to it perhaps yeah yeah i mean i know some games even have a thing such as encumbrance, which means you basically feel the weight of the items you're carrying. Yeah, yeah. I and then you can only carry a certain amount. Right. I, I kind of like that. They don't have that in this game. Mm-hmm. They just give you, like, you can carry, you know, 60 items, and then it'll say, you have 40 out of 60. And then right. Okay. I, I finally got to a point where I did have too many items, and when I go to pick it up, it just flies out of your your character, and it says, I have too many items. They'll just keep saying <laughs> the same thing every time. I can't carry this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so you, have you been forced to drop items? To I did. Ca- to so carry the, all right. So I was in one dungeon where that happened, and I beat the dungeon. I went back to sell all the stuff, and then I went. I said, "Well, let me see if this stuff's still there." You know, because I'm kind of crazy. I don't like to leave stuff in a dungeon. Yeah, right. So I went back, and all the stuff was still there. Yeah, so you, I was able to pick everything up, and then I had to travel back, fast travel, and then I was able to sell that stuff. <laughs> hey, you, you earn that stuff. You shouldn't have to leave it behind. The only bad thing is. The, these maps can be kind of large, mm-hmm. and there's really no way to remember where you... So I should have kept a mental note of where I was keeping everything. Okay. Because I had to travel through the whole entire map to see where I left. Because <laughs> I kind of scattered some things around as I was dropping things. Uh-huh. 
and I, I sort of forgot where I kept it. It's like a, it's like a trail of crumbs, right? But, right. Except it's like armor and weapons. Uh, like, oh, there's that shield I dropped. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one whole aspect of this. And then uh, another thing is like these healing, these potions, right? There, there is a one button assigned to healing potions, which I accidentally used them all up when I first originally started the game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what does this button do? And I, I, I was tapping it quick. I thought it was like an action button. And then it says, it's, you hear like that gulping sound and I used all my potions up. The only thing is, I think it was a healing potion, but I don't know where to buy them. I go to, I've go i gone to every merchant in this game and no one, only like usually one merchant per town sells potions. Mm-hmm. And all these potions are like, that he sells are usually like dyes and i think these dyes according to the descriptions change the color of an item that you're wearing so you want to customize like there's like one that's invisible so you can wear like say there's a cloak you wear or not cloak but like a piece of armor and Mm. you don't want it to show on your character you can use this dye i guess and then you won't see it Mm. i think it's just for visual purposes Mm -hmm. which is weird because when you're playing the game, you kind of don't see your character because everything's so small. It looks tiny, yeah. It's like only just, yeah, I mean, especially in a fight. You don't and there's see a lot anything. of effects blowing up. Right. When you're in the the middle only of time fight. you see it is when you want to load your game up. It shows you like an up close shot of your character with all her equipment on. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in the, uh, like the pause equipment change scene, then you see your character up close. But otherwise, you, it sort of makes no sense. Mm. So, he sells, like, six different color potions, and not one of them mentions, like, any healing ability. So, I still haven't found that. I'm about 40% into this game now, and I don't know where to buy healing potions. You kind of don't need it, but it's just one of those things, like... Yeah, in an emergency, you might need one. Who knows? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what the button does, or... Mm-hmm. Another thing I discovered as I was playing was <laughs> I beat this boss, and a big message popped up. It says... Trans transmogrify, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it showed that weapon that you mentioned. That's like scimitar. Scimitar, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I don't know what this does. Usually, it doesn't make a big deal out of finding a weapon, but this one did. It was a big weapon on the screen, and with that word on top, I was like, cool. So I go into my equipment screen to look at the analyze, you know, see what the stats are on the weapon. And it's, like, this low-level, like, normal weapon with, like, no magic attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, n- now what? Like, what does transmogrify mean? I have no idea. <laughs> they, there was no follow-up to say what that is, what it does. You need to read more Calvin Hobbes, I think. Uh, okay. Is that... Uh, I don't know. Related, that's or? Actually, that's, that's probably where I first noticed the word. Really? Yeah. It's, you know, just, like, turn one object into another object kind of a thing i kind of figured that mm-hmm. what, it, what it is but there's absolutely no indication on that weapon that that's what that does or how do i even go about doing that mm-hmm. like am i supposed to see someone in the towns at some point or i don't know i just know that i i, I have this weapon that's now a transmogrified weapon oh, or really? something okay but other than the fact that i saw that message that time uh-huh. there's no indication at all that I can do it with it. I don't know. So I don't want to sell this weapon. It's a really weak weapon, but I don't want to sell it because maybe this is like a special thing. I don't know. Hmm. All right. So let me ask you, I mean, you've got a couple of questions about the game. I mean, are you, are you consulting any guides or do you not want to look at any guides? Come on. Well, I mean, if you've got a question about what a certain something does, Uh, if I get stuck, I'll get to it. I'm, I'm doing okay. All right. I, I, I can respect that. I mean, if you want to just keep playing and let the game tell you, all the information you need to know, that's fine. But I feel like the game should tell me enough for me 
I'm not the type to like start reading books on how to play a game. Well, I don't mean that. Animation. I mean you could certainly hit a wiki to find out what this item is. Well, I some things I did, but some things I didn't yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I will hit and miss them. I don't know. You know what it is? Some of these sites are just so overly wordy because uh-huh. they get into so much lore of the game. And I was like, I just want a quick answer of what this is. I don't, okay. want, I don't want a backstory. You don't want, I don't like, want... the 7,000 year history of, right. of, of who made a, this weapon. Quick FAQ, but this, I don't find, like, quick FAQs on this game. Mm. <laughs> if I get stuck at a section, then I'm going to probably dive in a little bit deeper. But right. some of the games can be kind of easy. You might find out that, oh, this is a special weapon that was in the expansion pack for Diablo 1. And, you know, it has great significance. But, yeah, right. You know. Well, I'm afraid to sell it. <laughs> right. Who knows? Who knows what it might be? I know. I might have hit, like, the jackpot or something, but I don't think so, to be uh-huh. honest. Okay. All right. Maybe you'll find out as you play more. Another thing I started finding now is some gems. And these gems are... They give you, like, boost to weapon, which I've seen in other games before. So, like... Uh, like, say, a diamond will give you, like, say, better dexterity, like 10% dexterity and 20% uh, shield or something like that. So, you could, there's certain weapons that have sockets on them, mm-hmm. and you can insert the gem into the socket, and then I guess that would boost that weapon or armor. Right. Right? So, that makes, makes sense, right? Sure. So, the things I don't know is if you use the gem on that item, and then... At the rate you find loot, say I find another weapon that I'm like, well, I'm going to use this gem on that thing now. Can Mm -hmm. I pull the gem out and use it on something else? Because I don't want to waste these gems. I only have, like, a small amount. Right. So I'm, I'm like, saving them. I'm like, well, I want to save it until I You want to use them on weapons that you're actually going to use. Right. The problem is you get so much loot, and, like, I'm afraid to waste it. Because I feel like as soon as I use it, I'm going to find a weapon that's better, and then I just, now I can't. I can't pull the gem out. So that's a question I have, and I, I could probably consult a wiki on that. But <laughs> And then another question is, I have this one item, which is a rare item, or legendary item, whatever they call it. And it says, in the stats for the item, it says, inserting a, a gem into this item will give you, like, plus 95%, you know, something, and plus 5% this. And I'm like, oh, this is a great item. Mm-hmm. Now I have to just insert a gem on it. But when you insert a, when you try to insert a gem, the item has no socket to insert. So I don't know what the heck are they talking about. If this is this like a glitch or I don't know how to put a gem on this item to give it this boost. So I don't. Hmm. I'm not. I'm missing something about what's okay. going on in this game. Sounds like I better hurry up and start playing this game so I can maybe pick up on some of these questions and see if I could find an answer to them. Right. So now keep in mind, like, I, although I'm not, I've never played the Diablo games. Mm-hmm. I've played almost, I've played a good portion. I've played all the North games. I've played Baldur's Gate. So sure. I'm familiar with like the basic mechanics on how these games work. Sure. So it's not, I'm not like a total noob on, on this stuff. So uh-huh. for me to, that's, that's why I find this weird to be so stumped on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Another complaint I have is the, there are no side quests. It's very linear game. It's pretty much go to point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And more or less, you can fast travel everywhere you want to go. As, as soon, as, as, you, as, soon as you find that warp gate, yeah. you can just fast travel everywhere. Like as long as you've been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, uh, as, you're, as you're walking to the next, you know, gate, there's someone standing there with a question mark that you can talk to. And then, now you have a new challenge opening up. Nothing like that. It's just, here's your quest. Do your quest. Come back to me. See me when you're done. And then you'll have a new quest waiting for you when you come back. That's 
been the whole game so far, mm-hmm. which is a little disappointing. I thought there was a little bit more depth. We're going to be a little bit more depth to this game, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like there is. I also found a, uh, a new follower, mm-hmm. and I forget what I mentioned last week. So I have three in this game. You can play solo. You know, you can play co-op, of course, but you also find people along the way who will follow you and be like your CPU fighter. Sure. And so I have the Templar, who was the first guy I got, mm-hmm. and then a scoundrel, who I guess is the thief. Yeah. Um, they don't really possess... He doesn't possess... Other than having a lot of dialogue in this game, has tons of dialogue in this game, um, about, like, stealing stuff a lot. And, and, and this, the, the scoundrel's kind of like a creep. At some point, like, he, he, you come across this girl, and he's like, oh, today's my lucky day, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? <laughs> this is what you're saying? It's like, come on, man. These are savage times. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so now I finally can get rid of the scoundrel, because I got an enchantress. Enchantress. Oh, an enchantress. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she's now on my side, and she seems kind of cool. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. But they all pretty much do the same thing. Mm-hmm. She, she can wield more weapons, I think. That's kind of her thing. Uh, more of like two-handed and uh, single, and so you can kind of and you can customize your follower. So if you want to give it, uh, as you pick up weapons, some of them they could use. So you can go in their inventory and equip any weapons you want with them, mm-hmm. uh, pendants, rings, whatever. It's kind of a fun aspect to the game. I've also come across times where a, a character in your quest dialogue they'll want to follow you along too. Like you'll come across uh, a guy who'll tell you something, and he'll be like. You know, I'll come with you and I'll show you along the way in the dungeon, you know, and he'll follow you and he'll fire along. So now you have three people following you, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool, you know, in a game like this. Right. And the good thing is, so at, with your with your co-op guy, they can take damage. So they have a little health bar, too. So you have to constantly mm-hmm. look at that. I haven't had any issues of them dying. They seem to be pretty smart and running out of the way and using ranged weapons. So they're attacking from the distance. But the uh, the quest character who follows you, who fights along with you, they don't have any health. So it's not like a protect the mission kind of thing. Or mm-hmm. I hate games where you know someone will follow you and you have to worry about like oh this they're going to be so dumb and you know if they die your quest is failed you know yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, escort missions are the worst. Right, that's a good example. <laughs> yeah, awful, awful. Those are oh those never work. So I'm glad that that's not an issue here. Mm-hmm. And. The main core of this game is collecting loot. That's why I like to play these games. I love collecting all the stuff and then sort of like, I mean, half of the game, I, I feel like a lot of these games, half the game is the game and then the other half is just staring at the equipment scene right. screen and then trying to analyze, well, if I take this sword, this is, you know, a plus this, but it also is going to give me a minus on this. And mm-hmm. if I combine it with, you know, these gauntlets, then, you know, I, I love stuff like that. It's all, like, mathematics. I, and I went through that, not only with these type of games, with but, you know, with a game like Borderlands, which, right. which has an element of that, you know, where it's, like, you know, it's obviously first-person shooter type of a game, but, and yet, you, you're collecting... It's the same idea. Hundreds of weapons yeah. and trying to sort through them all and figure out which ones you like best. So, this is where my problem comes in. The equipment management s- screen is... To, to me, it's just so poorly designed. Mm. You see a, a, a list of... A vertical list of your weapons equi- in your equipment. So, say you look at your... Because um, you can look at, like, shield or helmet or... So, mm-hmm. you, you can narrow it down to, like, say, weapon. Now, you'll see, say, you can fit about three weapons on the screen and then you have to scroll down to look at the rest, right? They don't tell you what the weapon is. They don't tell you how it's sorted. 
like, is the best one on top, or is that not the best one? Like, some games will sort it for you and automatically put, like, the good stuff on top mm-hmm. and the bad ones at the bottom, or they'll sort it by how much they're worth. You know, they don't do any sort... Well, maybe they do, but they don't tell you. And then they don't tell you what the what the weapon is. So they give you, like... They'll give you triangles. They'll give you, like, a symbol of a shield, but a triangle that is either, are, is either red or green. And if it's red, that means that this is one triangle, like, less. That means it's, like, one weaker than what you have, mm-hmm. sort of. But not... It's just a general ballpark figure. Like, if it's three green triangles... <laughs> And then one red shield, that means you're probably losing a little defense, but you're going to get a lot of strength by equipping this. Uh-huh. And that's kind of all you have to go by. And if you really want to read the description on the weapon, you have to press another button. And then it'll show you, oh, this does this stat, this stat, it has this magic attributes, mm-hmm. and this, and, and it's, you can socket this weapon in here. But the problem is, you can't, the comparison of that is so poorly done I find it very overwhelming and not fun to sort through my weapons easily and, mm-hmm. and like kind of somehow mentally figure out, okay, I looked at this one and this one, but now I narrowed it down to like these three. And I know it sounds like crazy, but I, I don't know how other people play, but this is how I play these games. Sure. I, I spend a lot of time in like analyzing this stuff. You have to. And I feel like it's just, it's not showing enough information at one time and to go through all these sub menus and like... No, it's not all available to me, and I can't mark items. You can mark items as junk, but when you do, it takes away all the stats on it, and it just puts a big junk symbol on it, <laughs> and it throws it to the bottom of the list. And I don't want that. I just want to put like a little X near there to know that okay, I viewed this one. I want to look at the next one, and it's like an hour down. And you can't do that. Hmm. And and especially when you find new equipment, because. You'll find new equipment, and it's like, oh, they'll put an asterisk on it, right? So it's like, all right, cool. So now I have to look at these. But the asterisk goes away as soon as you highlight over the screen. Mm-hmm. The, it just it deletes the asterisk on it. So you don't have time to look. Like it, it just, And then once the asterisk's gone, it throws it into the pile of weapons, and it sorts it somehow, and I don't know how it's sorted. So now I don't know what my new weapon is anymore. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking at the same weapons every time. I'm like, well, these old ones or these new ones? I'm really surprised they don't give you a more kind of a visual way to compare. Maybe it's different on PC, uh, but I'm I'm not liking how it, it controls or how hmm. it's laid out. It's not good. I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't played uh, the PC version. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, you brought up Borderlands, and I feel like Borderlands did it so well. It was so good. At least in being able to compare the stats easily. Yeah, it was, it was it great. It was, you know, just, you know, what you have currently equipped in one column, and then what you're currently looking at in the other column. Uh-huh. And it just gave you a, a quick visual plus or minus on, on the stats that, you know, were different. Um... So I'm playing this now, and yeah. I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, I really want to play Borderlands now. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Borderlands was a better Diablo game than Diablo is. That's funny, but you know, just I mean, there's so many similarities, but I guess uh, this is meant to you know appeal to longtime players. Maybe they're used to something like this. Maybe. And then there's also the side of the the story the storyline. There's a lot of dialogue and text in here, mm-hmm. and you know me, I don't read a lot of this stuff, so <laughs> I kind of I go through really, and, and I give them credit because there's a lot of voice acting in yeah. there, and like my character has this really, you know, I think I talked about it, like fake Russian accent sort of thing, uh-huh. like an Eastern European, it's of a little thing. goofy, I yeah. don't know, but 
I appreciate that they went through the effort of doing all that, but I, t- I kind of skipped through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But I might be like, people might be like, oh, we spent so much time on this story and you're just skipping over it. Like, you're missing the point of this game. I don't know. But, yeah, so like I said, I'm about, judging by the FAQ I looked at, I looked. I like to see, you know, which chapter I'm on, how far I'm into it. I think I'm about 40% into mm-hmm. it. So I still have a ways to go, but that's where I'm at. I'll talk about more maybe next week about my my quest of Diablo. Okay. <laughs> cool. Maybe I won't need to play it after all. <laughs> well, you have it. Might as well. I mean, why base... It's true. Just it's true. one opinion. Yeah. Right. I'm going to definitely try to get in there and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Before Diablo 4 comes out. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> maybe it'll be another 10 years what's before it, I was going to say, what's it been, 8 years before the games? So. Uh-huh. Sure. We'll see. Actually, this came out a while ago already. I'm surprised. It's true. It did come. It took a while. It took a couple of years to hit consoles. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I it's... mean, it originally was on Xbox 360 and PS3 because there was no modern consoles yet. And then they released the expansion pack and they just released that version instead. Mm-hmm. The whole true. like, you know, with the expansion pack and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's on my list. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So how about some feedback then? Okay. We had gotten uh, a comment from our last episode f- by uh, Raul Angel, mm. who mentions, uh, I played this game on PC for some reason a lot in the 90s. I guess he's questioning his own motivations for playing this. Uh, this one and Disney's Tarzan, both similar platformers. The Aladdin game did follow the movie pretty faithfully, uh, because I did have the question of... You know, not being very familiar with the plot of the film and did the events of the game mirror what happened, uh, you know, in the movie. Uh, So he says, uh, Jafar did wish at first to be the most powerful sorcerer in the world. And Aladdin defeated him by tricking him into thinking that if he was a genie, he'd be even more powerful. And he does that and ends up trapped in the lamp. So that, I guess, explains the... uh, sequence that's you know shown at the end of the SNES version of the mm-hmm. game. Uh, I do mention that, um, you know, I th- uh, thank them for the insight on the plot. I d- did not know those aspects of, uh, of how it compared to the original movie. Uh, but I did mention to him that this is a case of the game having the same name, but being a different game entirely. Uh, because the Super Nintendo version was developed separately from the Genesis version. And as it turns out, the PC version that he describes is closely related to um, the Virgin version of the game, Mm -hmm. which is... Oh, the PC one is more related to that one. More related to the Genesis version. Really, the Super Nintendo version is its own sort of... It kind of is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I did watch a video of the PC version of this game... Oh, the okay. the uh, you know <laughs> the the Aladdin game for PC, it looks mostly the same, but it's just weird because the audio is completely different. It doesn't have that Genesis FM sound. It now, has, why not? Doesn't PCs have Sound Blaster cards, which were it did, and I think it followed the Amiga style of the game, where it was like a very like tracker style soundtrack, and uh, oh, that's true. And it had like a lot of sampled sounds for mm. for like the sound effects rather than you know the synthesized sounds. Um, so you would rate it even lower than. I think it's so it's Super Nintendo first, and then Genesis music for sound, and then yeah, and then PC. Ah, gee, it's really a matter of taste. I think um, I would probably agree with that. It, the sound, the, the 
that that Amiga style sound for this particular game sounds very disjointed to me because hmm. it's very like the sounds are very. Um, I don't know. Just because they have that sample playback yeah. aspect to them, it just feels like somebody's just like triggering, triggering like loops, yeah. triggering a sound effect on like it's an a, effects machine. Yeah, that's how those tracker sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I, I I particularly like that style for this game at least. Right, it is a interesting style. I mean, it mm-hmm. works on a lot of games, but yeah, cool. Well, right. I appreciate the feedback. Yeah. yeah so cause... thanks for writing in, and sure. as usual. Please uh, send in your comments either to Facebook or to our uh, Gmail account. That's at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Right. Any suggestions for any games you want us to try, you can always leave us a comment or anything and, you know, we'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> more likely, if, uh, if I haven't played it, I'm, I'm more than willing to try okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week. Very good. <laughs>